It's like everyone tells a story about themselves inside their own head, always, all the time. That story makes you what you are. We build ourselves out of that story. Patrick Rothfuss. Bending Not Breaking, Season 7, Episode 8, Remembrances. Welcome back to another episode of Many Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. I'm Ben. And we're we are into uh, what is this? Is this the least favorite Korra episode out there? You know, I don't know. I like there were elements that I enjoyed, but I'm not interested in watching. This is only helpful, I think, for me as an episode to watch when I've done a full series watch. Yeah, because they do these things like. They do these episodes a lot of times before streaming, right? Before the streaming aspect Correct. came out to where people could rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. Because even now, even new shows are typically on a streaming platform after yeah. they arrive. Uh, and so the ability to kind of like watch those episodes or go back, like, so we don't see a lot of rehashy episodes. Because yeah. even Gray's early on, I think, did like, these big shows would do these things where it's just kind of like, oh, remember that time when so-and-so was here? And then they'd flash back to a montage. And so we don't yeah. get a lot of those anymore in new shows because, again, the access. And I think the – I'm not going to say the seriousness of storytelling because it's always been serious, right? It's always been this genre. But the almost the credibility of television has grown so much that people yeah. pay attention and focus and dial in. And so you don't – necessarily need these like little rehashy episodes which this really feels like a kind of a series wrap and i don't i think that's what it is more so than it is like a rehash right it's more of a uh in the same way that avatar the last airbender had the uh ember island players uh this is a kind of a way for us to remember how far we've come and it's um, at the end of four, this is four years after the show has been on air. And that's, that's like, I think communicating again, this isn't something people normally will just binge all the way through. It's mm -hmm. something for people four years to consume and they may not have watched seasons one, two, and three recently. Right. And so it completely changes the game. I will say Ember Island's players, I think is one of the most, uh, ingenious ways yeah. of doing a recap. That is yeah. lightning in a bottle that is tough to just directly copy. But the idea of we're going to put a stage play on, like it would have been funny if Varric made a mover with like actors yeah. and things like that of that. But again, you don't want to redo the same thing. Exactly. And you still want it to fit within the realm of the stories. And so the way they go about telling these stories, I think does really work well sitting and rewatching them. And then uh, I think it was a smart to kind of bring in these like little commentary moments, but we'll dive in a little bit more to that. But Agreed. Before we do that, the lens doing is storytelling. Wow, I love right? stories. Which, of course, you look up the definition, and that's like the 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 thing of telling a story. Like telling yeah. a story is storytelling, and you're like, cool, yeah. thanks, guy. Thanks, um, buddy. <laughs> thanks, thanks, white man. Definition: um, the social and cultural activity of sharing stories, sometimes with improvisation, theatrics, or embellishment. Every culture has its own stories or narratives, which are shared as a means of entertainment, education, cultural preservation, or instilling moral values. 
And mm. that I really like that encompassing definition a whole lot more than kind of like Oxford Dictionary. Yeah. No, I think um, that's great. Because I think that that highlights a little bit like this can be something for education or for moral values or for cultural preservation. Like those things feel like they have weight and so much more importance um, than when you just think of like, I'm telling a story, right? And so, because I don't know how often we think of things like shows, when we think of the show, we've been doing this podcast for seven seasons now of like, yeah, pr- uh, instilling moral values or education. <laughs> and so, yep, those things, um, it, it's interesting to think of the pop culture we, we consume to kind of fit within those parameters of, yeah. oh no, this story really, because when you look into some things, especially like uh, horror movies, I think the genre of horror films really, you can kind of pinpoint where in time they were morally and ethically and societally, like by watching those movies through those time periods, because you can typically be like, oh, they're punishing people for that. That is what they felt <laughs> um, at the time was you know, this, the moral standard. And it's interesting to see kind of the time capsule that exists when you watch movies from the last decades. Yeah, no. I, and I, and I think one of the things that's captured in story is let's think about like the connotative definition of story versus the, the, uh, the, the definition I want to kind of live into. And what I think when people like think of story, it's almost like whimsy or like even yeah. stories are like oh you're just telling a story sometimes like stories are another way it's another way of saying it's fiction or a lie right uh oh it's just a story um it's uh not doesn't carry weight and i think the i think the opposite is true i think that there are so many great quotes from authors and 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 people like the 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 purpose of storytelling isn't necessarily to tell a person how the storyteller thinks, but rather like to give the person listening to the story questions to think upon. And that's what, when we, when the way we approach Avatar, the way we approach Korra, it gives us questions to consider. And I think how we approach a story really kind of is a better indicator of whether it's whimsical or whether it's not. So for instance, if, you know, I think jokes are stories. I think often humor is rooted in story. And so we've talked about when somebody tells a joke that is problematic and they're telling a story, if we approach it as, oh, it's just a joke. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just blah, blah, blah. Then the weight it carries will be different. But we have to recognize that people are going to hear that story and approach it differently. And some people are going to give that story more weight than the author intended. And so it goes into intention versus impact here too, right? And so I, I think there, storytelling is a, is a medium of communication and we can't control how people will receive a story, right? Even as we can control how we deliver a story. Um, and I think that's something to consider. Well, stories shift the cultural norms, right? Like when we hear stories, the stories we tell ourselves over and over again shift our mentality and shift the things that we consider to be normal or true. And that's why people argue that representation is super important, right? When we see things on screen or in books and we feel connection and we become 
connected to those things and cultures like we learn more right we, we experience those things that's why people say read books by authors that don't look and feel like you get connected and rooted into these stories that that are you know allow you to kind of expand your worldview yeah. um but also that happens vice versa right if we're telling stories that are problematic over and over and over again we start assuming that that's the norm mm-hmm. And we start accepting that that's an acceptable way of storytelling. And so this, the way we storytell as a culture deeply moves us into in yes. one direction or the other. Um, but it's also like everything can be a story, right? Like data points is a story. Yeah. But then the way we embellish that story or the way we give meat to those bones when we tell the story that those data points reflect allows people to connect with it, allows people to understand it. It is very unlikely that your best teachers out there will literally just read a PowerPoint of like, this is a data point, this is a data point, this is a data point next. The teachers that really connect with students are the ones that are, this is a data point, this is a data point, and here's what it typically looks like when you put it into context with the world that you're in. And so that allows people yeah. to connect and thrive off of that. Storytelling is deeply important. And some of your best speakers, uh, some of your best teachers, some of your best leaders are really good storytellers because they allow people to yeah. connect with what they're doing. And I think what often those storytellers do is there, frankly, there are archetypes of story. And there are stories that like, if you look at the the basic uh, bones of most stories, they fall into one of seven. Uh, and these are the seven archetypes that I kind of want to want to pull out. And so one is overcoming the monster. Uh, the next is rags to riches. The quest. Voyage and return. Comedy. Tragedy and rebirth. So those are these seven archetypes. And, you know, I, I think that anytime we are hearing a story, often we can lace these data points and say, oh, the way you're constructing this story is you're saying that when we do these things, we can overcome the monster of X, Y, or Z. Um, Or when we do these things, we're showing how, uh, especially if we're looking at data points around like, you know, the finances from the country from where it began, like the Revolutionary War all the way to now, we might say that it's like a a rags to riches. when Still rags. Yeah. So depending on who's telling the story and how it's crafted, you can use data points to construct your story, even though the data points might indicate a different story altogether when told in a different way, Um, which I think leads to Hannah McGregor, who wrote, you know, um, A Sentimental Education. And this book, her base, basically her thesis is that Reading a book alone does not uh, instill a certain type of value. It is how we engage with that book. And so it is the same thing with these stories. When the common narrative and common talking points around a story are rooted in uh, whiteness or white supremacy, then what people get from that text will be those things, right? Which is why I think speaking to your point, when we start to include more authors and more books and more storytelling from people outside of that lens, it leads to a different set of questions and a different set of talking points, which then changes what we take from the book. 
Um, but again, like Avatar in and of itself does not instill good values. It is how you treat it and the questions you ask about it that lead. Because there's, there's a lot of curmudgeons that we don't like in the fandom. <laughs> <laughs> that watch what? this show have great values, right? There are a lot of misogynistic people who watch Cora, right? And watching Cora doesn't mean that they're going to like lose their misogyny. You know what right. I mean? Yep. And so I think that that is kind of a, a case in point of like, just watching the show doesn't instill values. However, when you're asking it questions, when you're living with it and you're looking at the data points in community, oftentimes it will shift how you view certain things, mm -hmm. which is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, let's jump in. I've got a 30 second recap to do about you're the so recap great. episode. So, so great. about that. I love it. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah. But, Are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. On your mark. Get set. Go. Mako tells Prince Wu about his past. And then Cora and Asami talk about their past. And then Varric tells a story about Bolin's past. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you going to stop? You're done. You have 10 seconds. Okay. All right. The We're credits done. then start to roll. Okay. Here we go. Uh, I mean, you, okay. We're, I mean, might as well keep going. Like, okay. We're almost there. 30 seconds. Okay. And then the screen uh, goes blank. Uh, see, because the, you the episode is over. You, you missed it. You you went outside your time. Uh, you had all that time. Still missed it. Failed. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're familiar with everything that happens in this. Yeah, I mean, I was part of my recap was going to be like, you can go listen to our other 30 second recaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I, the only thing that's different is the commentary, right? Is the, there's a, I mean, there's a few differences, right? Which we'll, we'll get into like the maybe the way Varric tells Bolin's past is not uh super factual but the commentary is a nice piece of it um, which is actually one of the first points i wanted to bring up about the stories we tell ourselves because that was the big theme is the stories we tell ourselves the ones that are in our head the ones we tell right and there's sometimes we know Varric, that we are going off the story the way the truth happened but we're trying to we're trying to tell a good story yeah right um and sometimes we do that for good and for bad right there's times where um i think about uh, remember the Titans. There's mm -hmm. the there's the time where Coach Boone gives us really empowered. Like when I was a kid, I had twelve brothers and sisters, and I had to take care of every one of them to like get his quarterback amped up. And the coach kind of goes, "You had twelve brothers and sisters." He goes, seven He's like, "All right, twelve sounds better. That's right. All right, cool. Right." Like so, there's moments where we like will change maybe the story for a purpose, and that purpose yeah. can be good and for bad, right? That's, Embellishment, right? Yeah. Um. So we get that, but we also one of the things that I want to talk about is the commentary throughout this episode, one of the nice things about it is the feedback we get from the people we care about when we are sharing our feelings and the stories that we have that we tell ourselves. Wow. There is something incredibly strong, incredibly powerful about people being able to challenge the stories that you're telling about yourself um, and giving feedback in those moments, right? I love when Prince Wu's like, that was a good breakup. That sounds like a, that's the way that a breakup sounds like. Because it was, you knew that you broke up and everyone was aware where the first one didn't really sound like a breakup to me, right? So yeah. these are, and these are moments where that's a very real one. Frank can kind of say like, that was not good. You did that poorly. That was not clear. Um, and I like that. I like those moments and those abilities to say, no, t 
tell people the stories that you're feeling about yourself and allow people to kind of poke holes or lift up and validate, right? Those are all things that can be super positive. And I think I, it's interesting that you brought up Varick's point here to, to kind of talk about that, because I can see that with all three of these main stories that we get, or these three main perspectives that we get. Because um, Varick is, you know, he's creating a story and the purpose of his story is very different than what Mako's telling of his story is. Yes. And, very different than Cora's sharing her version of events. Each of those contexts are very different. And Varric is creating this story, uh, frankly, for what sounds like, I'm going to make this mover and we're going to make a ton of money off of it. Yeah, it's entertainment purposes. Entertainment Purely. very different yep. than me recapping uh, truth about my past and why I am the way I am. Varric and in Bolin is kind of grappling with that with Varric is saying that's not how things went. Um, and you know, it kind of goes to this very one of the last quotes of the show is Baraz, who is the guy that looks like Avatar Wan on this on this boat, uh, with Varric says, It's just a mover, don't overthink it. It's like a ride. And I I think like there's a part of me that very much agrees with that of like you know what, that like, it's okay to consume media that is not meant to educate you. It is okay to consume media for fun. And <laughs> the other part of me is like, no, Bolin, like this is Bolin's trying to, like what he's trying to accomplish through this is like, ooh, does this feel ethical? Like this just feels like we're like lying to a bunch of people. And I think it comes down to what we're trying to get at. What is the purpose of why you're consuming the media? And what is the purpose around why you're watching or uh, creating and watching? There's a lot of questions that come up with that, too, because the first thing that comes to mind for me when it comes to Barrick and Barrick and Bolin is Barrick is not telling his story. He's telling Bolin's story. And yeah. so Bolin should be able to consent with what is being told and how it's being told. Um, Consuming media that is just fun, 100%, until that fun is harming somebody, right? And, that, yeah. and you also need to be able to process those things. And you can do things for fun while also having a critical eye, right? You know, I watch uh, dumb reality television shows all the time where the point is for it to be dumb and stupid and me watching. And sometimes there are problematic things that happen on and off of those shows with like the contestants that are there. And it is also important for me to understand and hold truth to that as well. Right. So like sometimes it has to be a little bit of both. Um, but for, for Varric and Bolin, yeah, Varric's trying to make something that's going to make money and it's going to be entertaining. And there are times where Bolin's like, Ooh, that sounds like a good part, even though it's not exactly how things played out. Um, but I yeah. mean, I was going to say, there's also a, a question for me of whether Varric actually wants to turn this into a mover versus whether he's trying to tell this story because he's bored on this boat as they pass the time, right? Which and, can also be true. And part of me thinks that, you know, there's an implication that they've all been sharing stories and Varric's like, no, I haven't been listening. I've been creating my own story. Let me tell you all about it. Um, and um, I, I, I think there's an element of that too, of, you know, uh, having Bolin be kind of the butt of a joke. Um, and this story is his joke in a way, 
but this intention of being entertaining without, again, Bolin's consent, because they have a relationship in which I can take advantage of you a little bit and still be in your good graces, right? And it makes me feel like a little, ooh. little icky. little icky. And I'm also like, I chuckled, right? I like, I found the villain bit hilarious. I for, I had forgotten about the villain bit, right? Where they- Always like, makes me laugh. It's so funny. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous to have all four of them in a room, Batu on a phone, right? It's like, it's, it's so outrageous that of course it couldn't be true. And it's so irreverent that like, it's, it's funny. Um, well, and, one of the cool parts is this is the creators telling the story as well, exactly, right? And so exactly. them being able to poke fun at things that are, uh, that they know maybe the audience didn't love at the time uh-huh. in real time and kind of make fun of themselves by like poking fun at Unalak, right? Like that's hilarious in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting how that dynamic landed. Right. And so I, I think that that is like, again, it comes across as icky to me. I'm curious how other people received it, but I imagine that a lot of people when watching this uh, didn't feel icky about this retelling. Uh, imagine a lot of people watched this story and were like, yeah, that's just really funny. And I don't have any qualms. Um, and that's that go, we'll go uh, two things because that's going to pivot to another point. Um, one, I think it depends on who you relate to in that, right? Like there's a lot of times where I see myself as the storyteller of Varric. Love yep. telling stories, love crafting things like that. Um, and so there's something like, Varric's fine. Varric didn't really do anything out of hand. All those things kind of did happen. Yeah. If you relate to Bolin in this moment, mm-hmm. there's a good chance where you're like, no, I've been the person in the room where someone's telling a story about that I didn't consent to. And it sucked. Yep. It didn't feel good. It hurt. And yeah. so I think, you know, which leads me to my next point, which is we can experience the exact same moment. And the focus of importance of that moment, that the main focal point we take away from it, and what happens. And how we perceived what happened can be very different things, right? So we talk about, we see multiple instances of Cora meeting Mako and Bolin in the locker room. Yeah. And there's not a lot of differences in the way it's perceived, except maybe like Bolin kind of romanticizes it a little bit more mm-hmm. than maybe what actually happened. But you can see the moment that they thought was important was different in each of those circumstances, right? Um. Yeah. Because typically it's which which one involves me the most is what I'm remembering and taking yeah. away as the important moment. And so it's we can all experience the same thing, but the story we take out of that can be very different depending on who you are, which isn't a surprising revelation, but it is an important one. That that is cool. a very common thing when we are in conjunction with other people. And I think if we get meta a little bit and go back to like the way that this story the whole episode as a story is being conveyed to us. We often through throughout Avatar and Korra get a omnipresent view of a scene, right? Where we have, there's, there's usually a focal point that we, that the writers are gearing us towards, but we are also seeing other people in this thing. And so we have an outside perspective of watching a scene where we aren't necessarily in someone's head, right? And this is why I really loved 
this focus. I think there's a very intentional choice of having Mako be the one who is narrating the first half of this episode. And I think it's because so many people have a problem with Mako. And there he gets he caught so much flack for good reason, right? Because our perspective, what we saw of him, really made us question all of the things that were going down. But this really gives us a lot of compassion for Mako because we're hearing it from his perspective, right? And like throughout these series, when these events are colored by what he's going through and the thought process he has, it's like, oh, it makes perfect sense that he acted this way. It makes a lot of sense that he was confused in this moment, right? And when we hear that from his perspective versus what we presume we predominantly watch through Cora's perspective, it completely shifts everything. And I think that's probably one of the reasons they chose Mako to be the, the voice of the first half of this episode. Which I think is that highlights exactly how we walk into spaces, right? You and I engage in a moment and take very different relations. You did this because you were being mean or you wanted to hurt me or you were just trying to be, you know, intentionally obtuse. I did this because I wasn't in a mental space to actually communicate well because I was exhausted from X, Y, and Z. And so the last thing I needed to do was people this time. I, you know, someone else who's watching from the outside seeing that interaction is like, are these, do these people hate each other or do they like each other or like, um and and so like everyone's taking something different and so the ability to then when we have those types of conflicts or those those moments in life with the people that we care about hey this happened today didn't feel great to me what were you thinking what was going on can we talk about it a little bit because i want to understand this moment you know um and that, i mean those things happen all the time there's so many times where um me and my partner might just say something like offhandedly because we're tired or snippy. And then like 30 seconds later, just be like, hey, that was a snippy response because I was upset about this one thing. And I took it out on you in a, in a really short moment. And so like, I'm sorry. Yeah. But like, those are things that like, when we don't re-engage re into that conflict and share what the stories we were feeling in those moments, the stories that we then start to tell ourselves about that moment expand and we build up. And this isn't the first time that this has happened. And I'm going to build an arsenal of the story yep. that I'm going to link over the last year of all of these little moments. And we start yep. to really harm what's going on. And so, again, um, the, the ability for us as the audience to see this is where Coral was at in the moment, because that's kind of who we watched it through at the time. We see the overarching. Now we get to hear Mako. Oh, my God it's natural for us to be like, oh, we're kind of more empathetic with Mako now. Yeah, exactly. Um, which yeah. is what happens when we listen to other people's sides of stories. Yeah. Part of me thinks that partnership is writing a joint story together versus having two individual stories, mm -hmm. right? And so the story I'm telling myself about what happened is not the same as some someone I am in community with. But when those two stories are conflicting, that leads to friction, right? But if we tell our stories together and say, hey, this is the version that I just like that I'm interpreting, is that correct? It gives opportunity for the other person to be like, no, no, that's not how I interpreted that at all. And then what they can do is collectively write this. But what that requires is one, a whole lot of self-awareness right? You have to recognize that you're telling yourself a story that, and that is hard, right? And the second piece 
is being able to voice it because there's a lot of vulnerability in that too because the consequences of the stories we tell matter as well. And so if the story I'm telling is that you don't like me when I do X, Y, or Z, then I'm going to feel really nervous about voicing that story aloud because what if you not liking me leads to me losing something? When our privileges, when our needs are on the line in the sharing of stories, it becomes really, really complex. But I think, again, communally, we have a responsibility to tell a story and recognize that our story can never be complete because it is coming from our perspective alone, right? And I think that's what we, we see in, with Cora and Asami. There's this really beautiful moment where, where Cora is saying, I, nobody needs me. Like I'm, I'm useless to the world. Toph told me that like the world doesn't need me. And Asami's like, excuse me, the world needs you. You're the avatar. And these are two like opposites on an extreme spectrum, right? (laughs) Where you are needed. You're the avatar. If you aren't here, the world will fall versus you're not necessary. The world will continue regardless of whether you're here or not. And we want there to be some like, how do we navigate both of those two things and that both of those things are true? And that's a really complex story, right? And Cora is really grappling with the fact that there's there are two narratives and that's hard. That's hard to deal with. It is tough. One of my favorite moments of this episode is the Cora Sami pulling together because, oh my God, do we need people in our lives to say, stop only thinking about the bad things that you are doing. You yeah. are not a compilation of all the mistakes that you've made. Here is all the positive you've done. Just a super cool moment from Asami. And I'll already tell you, she's going to be my gratitude for this episode because like the ability to, to sit there and it's there's two different things, right? So there's always the moment of silver lining things, which is I don't think that's what Asami is doing in this moment, right? Yeah. There's the ability to silver lining things like, um, well, at least it's a sunny day outside or, or well, at least you're going through this pain, but at least, you know, you're doing good in your job. Right. Versus like, I hear you, but I want to challenge that story and say, like, no, when this happened, the this was the positive impact that came from it. And I think that is different than like trying to put a little like sprinkle on top of a crap sandwich when people are showing that. Right. So um, the ability for Asami to come in and say, like, nope, this was the good you did, I think is incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm remembering a quote and I can't, I can't believe I've forgotten the exact wording of the quote because this is a quote I used to say a lot, but it's on our refrigerator. <laughs> the, the idea of ourselves uh, it, as we have all of these separate stories of ourselves and the idea is that we aren't whole until we integrate those things right? That what we have right now is we're seeing Cora grappling with multiple stories. And part of what I think her journey is, is the integration of living with those fact that all of those stories are true and that they are conflicting. And what integration looks like, what wholeness looks like is when you can, when they, when they can meet and they can mesh together and still be true despite them being conflicting. 
Um, and that's just, it's really hard, but that, I mean, who we are is all of the stories that have existed in our past and recognizing that even though we want to edit out some of those failures, that they are part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is the, the integration of the two, you don't have to ignore the good things to fix the things that you feel like you've done wrong. Yeah. Um, and you can't only think of the things that you've done well in life and ignore all, all the mistakes you've made either. Right. So, well, and that reminds me of Tenzin coming in in this moment too, because mm-hmm. Korra is like on, on this one end of like, I'm a failure, I'm not useful. And then Asami's like, nope, we're going to bring you to the other side of this. And then Tenzin's like, you, I have, let's, let's take this from a perspective of how far you've come. And like, what a dude, right? Like there, like, this is one of those moments where he comes in and is like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> like, and he doesn't always do that, but like, but he, is- he's doing it a lot recently. Yeah. Like, like his version of this story is that you came from a really tough spot and you look at how far you've come. Look at what you've accomplished, even with all the things that you have failed in. Right. And it really reminds me of this view of what I am, what I hope, um, like parents do with their, with their children and mentors do with their protégés. And that I saw you when you were not good at this, when you were actively like struggling and I've seen you struggle this whole time, but through that struggle, you have gotten so far. And there's just this, um, you can sense the pride that Tenzin has for Cora in this moment. And it's just really a beautiful version of this story that I think that when we're down in the dumps, uh, we are very susceptible to not seeing. We don't celebrate the fact that we have come so far. We don't celebrate our successes. We revel in our failures. And what we're learning from this scene is that it takes community again to really take in a story of ourselves that is integrating all of us and all of what we have done rather than how sometimes when we do it by ourselves we lose some of those really important aspects so i I guess it's just reminding me again of awareness community Community, like like all the things that we kind of um harp on but maybe that's just our bias coming in maybe um this is likely going to be a shorter episode again again because it's a, it is a recap episode that we are recapping and discussing but is there any other major points in storytelling because i've we've already hit on all of mine uh but i want to make sure that we that you've hit on all the ones you want to lift up yeah i have i have one this is you know the woo and two dynamic during mako's thing is really fun but one of the things they said at near the end of mako's story i thought was really insightful and I think important to kind of discuss, which was, I think it was two who said this, which is his cousin who essentially says, you were so worried about disappointing one person that you ended up disappointing everyone. And I, I think that that's a really interesting reflection for Mako, right? In particular, because, and for all of us, when we try to avoid disappointing one person that can often lead to us making decisions that upset more than that person. And I, I 
think that was so evident in uh, Maka's story that he was avoidant and that avoidance led to disappointing more people than if he'd just been willing to have that tough conversation. And so I don't know how I'm relating that to storytelling, I guess, but I, I am noting that that seemed really important in terms of a reflection on Mako's story in particular. What <laughs> I, I almost drifted while you were talking about this thing. Cause I'm thinking about all the times in my life where that has been almost very true, right? Like hyper aware of how I'm going to engage with one person yeah. and what else I'm putting on the line because of it. Um, yeah. And so the power in those moments, uh, again, when we are allowing people to provide that feedback, how important that can really be that ability to have a whether it's one person or a small group of people but people you care about that are able to kind of say like no this is how i kind of see that yeah. and it doesn't mean you have to take every bit of advice that people give you but again when you're collecting multiple experiences and multiple viewpoints you're typically going to have a solution somewhere in that that fits the world that you want to kind of move forward in um, yeah. But you can't find that solution if you are not engaging in those moments of feedback. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, I think that this is often what happens in sessions of therapy where people don't know how to notice that they're telling a story or don't know how to be critical of their own story. And often if they don't have that access to, you know, speak their truth and to confront that story, that is what the process of therapy does is it teaches you how to access your personal story, notice it, realize that you have control over the pen and giving you a chance to write your own story versus letting it happen in front of you and being reactive to what happens in your life. Um, like, does that make sense? Does that? Oh, yeah. And I think we, what you probably just kind of hit on is what, because I, we know several people that have, have not enjoyed therapeutic sessions or have gone to therapists they didn't connect with. And I think one of the things that you're hitting on when it comes to the people that are providing us feedback on the stories we tell ourselves is, are they then just telling us their story as opposed to writing it together? Yes. Right. So like, is a therapist yes. hearing you out and going, actually, this is what you're doing and this is what's happening. And so this is the solution. Versus what we talked about earlier of creating that conjoined story to move forward together and find yes. solution. Um, and so I, I think that you just kind of hit on one of the biggest problems with, uh, pro, you know, solution oriented or productive therapy versus the times we know that people have gone to therapy and have had to switch or change therapists. Because, again, they're not interested in writing the story together. They're interested in just telling their story. And then and again, if that's a story I'm telling myself. Right. So. And if we extrapolate to our friends, right, it's when our friends like jump straight to advice and we like, we're not looking for advice. We're just looking to like, Hey, I'm feeling X, Y, or Z right now. And then that friend is like, okay, here's what's wrong with your situation. You got to do this, this, and this, that is just, that is the same, right? When your friends like are coming in and giving you unsolicited advice, trying to control the dynamic. Again, it goes back to Brene Brown's like idea of empathic misses, and like, if there was one thing I could teach people, like it would, I think, I think I would go with the idea of empathic misses. Cause it gives me so much to talk about. Um, 
you know, like, like that's just, there's so much there. It's uh, one of the best questions, I think, for that section. And it's one that's becoming more known and almost becoming a joke. I feel like the more I hear it is mm. the concept of, are we in the problem solving stage? Or are we in the feeling stage? Yeah, it's becoming, um, a, it's becoming a joke. It's real. That's such it a is. like it's not like that's such a real question. That is one that I in my partnership still is beneficial as long as they know that I'm not doing it in a patronizing way. So it has to be from a place of uh, a genuine nature, because if I come in and be like, are we in our feeling stages? Or are we in problem solving? Because I'm ready to be in problem solving. You're you're wallowing in this little yeah. garbage. Like, yeah. um, but if you're really saying like, hey, do you want to vent about it? Or are you at a place where you are asking for my advice on it? Because I can be both. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, I just want to vent about it and then I want to sit with it for 30 minutes and then we'll talk about what you would do differently. And then yep. even in those moments, I have to recognize that like I can give four advice pieces and they can take none of it yep, or all of it. And that doesn't mean good or bad. Right. Because that's the other side yeah. of things. Um, when people give advice, the idea of like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. Well, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, cool. Um, and then, but again, so I think that like, where are we? What is the purpose of these stories? What is the purpose of what we're communicating? What are we consenting to when we are telling these, the stories that we're telling? There's a lot of nuance and complexity when it comes to storytelling. And then yep. what is there's like, there's no right answers. It all just kind of depends on each individual situation. Yeah. Every little snowflake, if you will. Yeah. Oh, that just reminds me of, again, I've been doing, I've had several sessions now doing this tabletop role-playing and it's, it's group storytelling is what it is. And if someone says something, this is how it goes, you know, people can push back, but like improv begs of us this yes and mentality. And I, I wonder like that requires a level of vulnerability of um, I'm willing to give up the story I'm trying to tell in order to accommodate the story we are trying to tell. I think role-playing games are a wonderful example of boundary setting that needs to happen, right? We've all, if we've played, if you've ever played role-playing, you have probably been in a situation where there, there's the one person who every time we're about to engage in a part in the story immediately jumps to combat, right? Yeah. Like uh, that is the, like, I'm, I'm here to fight. I don't want to have this conversation. I punch him roll for initiative, right? Like you're just kind of like, no. and that's not like, that's not, that's not what we're consenting to as a storytelling. Like that's not what we want. Like we, a lot of times you want to engage in the story. You want to learn the things you need to learn. I need the information so we can solve this puzzle as a team and you keep trying to kill everyone we talk to. Right. So like, again, what are we consenting to with the story? What is the purpose of this story? Cause you might have a team where the purpose is to fight as many people as possible uh, yeah. and make it out in which case the person who is leading that story or kind of facilitating it can then create that story for y'all but again you have to but if that's not what the whole team's looking to do then that's not really what's happening right that's that's us hijacking it for the story that we want to tell and not the communal one that wants to be told mm. oh i think that brings us to a great stopping point this there's a lot going on that we like storytelling what a great lens so I'm, I'm glad we were able to have it with this episode um because it's a lot of communal storytelling and, and learning how learning from one another and i'm grateful that we could tell our story together you and me you know this is great 
Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to have a short little musical interlude, and then we'll come on back with all of the cool things in our final couple of segments. Welcome back. We're so excited to get down to the nit and gritty with our final couple of segments, starting with twee and law, push and pull, the balance of what we liked and what we did not like. So give it to me. What 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 are the things? Yeah. What I dislike is recap episodes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, and again, it's because the, the nature of them uh, over the last 10 years. Uh, and what is necessary out of them is deeply shifted, right? And this show came out 10 years ago, right? This episode aired nine years ago, um, right? So, yeah, right? <laughs> so, like, yeah. um, I just don't need them. Uh, and in fact, one of my least favorite uh, mechanisms in storytelling, especially in movies, is when they cut back to something that happened at the beginning of the movie to show you how dumb you were. When they're like, uh, I feel like it's like an Ocean's Eleven thing, right? Except yeah. Ocean's Eleven had a point to it. But when in movies, they do it like, remember that letter that he wrote? Remember how he signed it by this name? <gasps> you missed it, you dumb dumb. Like, I hate that is my least favorite mechanism <laughs> in movies. And it happens all the time. And I'm like, Ugh, I'm not stupid. You don't have to recap for me. Like, I did see it the first time. Or like, I can go back and rewatch it later. And, and then it will make more sense for me. It's more fun that way. I hate those. So anyways, recap episodes. Uh, and then, uh, but I do like the commentary. It's like watching Mystery Science Theater. I thought that was yeah. a little fun. Um, and so that does pull me in. What about you? Well, it's just interesting. Like, I think to, you know, you're kind of giving this, I don't think we need to spend and linger on it too hard, but your perspective is really interesting on a, a recap episode and assuming the intent of the person who goes into a flashback and why they chose to do it. And, you know, you like the story you're telling about why they did it is that because it's because they think you're dumb. And, you know, the reason they might be doing it is because of who knows. Right. And so it's just I, I like I just am reflecting that back. And, you know, this is a, the point of this is this is what we didn't like. And I agree. I don't also like the episode, but I am also wondering about like, that's probably not their actual intent. Right. <laughs> I doubt it is for this. Uh, there are a lot of times I do think in movies where they say, what is, what is the, uh, who am I making this for? Right. And I want the general yeah. public to be able to watch this, which is great. Um, and I think a lot of times things that, like it, they pull out the nuance that exists in them in themes and kind of yeah. like hit you on the head with it as opposed to yeah. letting you kind of like discover it and dive into it through conversations. And sometimes yeah. that feels a little annoying to me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just a presumption of ability, right? Like who is able to, to do mm -hmm. this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I digress. Um, for me, uh, I, uh, we talked a little bit about it, but I was like barracks like commandeering of Bolin's story was something that made me feel a certain way. Yeah, that's and, icky. And it's icky because I laughed, right? It's one of those things where, again, it's funny. And 
like it feels odd it like but it, it just we do it all the time like core was created for capital gain like the this show that we're watching was created so that the people would make money right and it's it's to tell a story but you know it just feels weird to tell like i'm going to create this story so i can make money off of it and i i guess i and like it just it, there's a lot of ethical things i was like i just didn't want to have that thought process and like that was that was me uh so that's probably just me though <laughs> uh but next uh things that were pulled in by uh yeah i agree the commentary but specifically i really liked the woo and two combo i thought that like their comedic timing and uh, like assessment of mako's situation was um really apt and so uh, funny the truth bomb really a fan um so I, I enjoyed them. Well, let's jump to our devotion Woo-hoo! through an Devo- uh, element of fire. Hi-ya! Hi-ya! And I think for me, the first thing that popped up with this is the idea of what is the purpose of the story we're telling, which brought to me the, the understanding of like, what is the purpose of the fire that we're trying to make or the heat that we're trying to provide? Right. So like you, if you we, are with the same direction, <laughs> Yeah, perfect. We can be both our devotions. But the idea around I'm building a campfire, I'm going to build that fire a very specific way. I'm going to make that heat a very specific way because it's got a very it's got a purpose, right? We're going to try to build it so the smoke's not coming around people's faces, but they can all sit around it and enjoy it. I am not going to cook. Sometimes it depends on what you're doing, but I'm probably not going to cook on a big bonfire, right? That's not going to be successful for me. I'm going to cook on a stove with concentrated heat that has a very distinct purpose on how it's made. Um, I'm not going to heat my house with a bonfire. Yeah. I'm also not going to heat my house with the oven, right? <laughs> like there are <laughs> like, um, and so how are we, t- the stories we tell and the purpose behind them and the point is important. It's going to determine what we're doing. And again, what, what, if we're successful in doing what we're doing. If I'm yes. telling a story for connection, that needs to be told a specific way. If I'm telling a story to, to disseminate information to 40 people is going to be different than the story that I'm telling if I'm disseminating information to two people um, yes. sometimes versus 400 people in a classroom. The purpose is important to think about and why we're telling a story is important to think about and does it serve the purpose? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's my goal is to say and I'm, to make be sure I'm intentional about the purpose behind things this uh this week yeah so ours are like very similar i would like fire is a tool right and it is very dynamic tool it can shift depending upon the situation and how we use it like it's not like a hammer hammer is like like can be used for maybe one or two things we can be creative and use it for a couple other things probably but like generally it's It's meant to hit something down yeah, that's what it's designed for. Whereas fire is dynamic. It can be used for all the things you listed. It might be a bonfire. It might be a, uh, you know, cook fire. It might be an oven. And, you know, I, I think about uh, the stories we tell ourselves that often go unchecked, like the fires that start, so to speak, in our head that when left unchecked could turn into a, a core situation where we're just honing in on uh, one thing and it's starting to burn us. And I'm thinking about how all of these fires are starting and these ideas are like lighting in my head. And these are stories that like need to be kept in check and be, I need to be aware of them, right? Because, you know, fire burns if left unchecked or it goes out. But if 
it continues to get fuel. And so the stories that I'm telling myself are how can I interrupt these stories that I'm telling myself? And how can I be like, okay, that's a fire I want to keep burning because I haven't quite figured out what's going on with it yet. And then there's another fire that I'm like, nope, we're going to pour that out right now. Or I need someone else to give me feedback on whether this fire is useful. Um, and so I think it's just cultivating some awareness around the fact that these things are happening in my head and being like, okay, this is a story and fact checking whether it's a story I want to keep around or not. So I think it's um, giving myself permission to stop and think about how I reacted and why I reacted a certain way to something this week. And so when I react, I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's pause and think about why I'm reacting this way and see if that's something that I want to continue and, and fuel. Mm, love that. Self-awareness. It's hard. It's, it's so hard. It's so hard. All right. Who are we grateful for as we're creating awareness? Something that can be beneficial is gratitude. And so who are we grateful for? Uh, who are you grateful for this episode, Ben? Yeah, you know, I, I wrote down a few people because there was there was a lot going on. So I won't say Asami since you claimed Asami already. But yeah, uh, you know, I I guess I'm I will mention both and lean into one. I I'm I think the other people are Tenzin that I'm really grateful for and and Mako, um, and the reason I'm going to choose Mako in this is because like we were intentionally given a lot of screen time with with his story. And I, I think that we did a really good job, I think, um, over the course of the series, uh, leaning into his perspective. And I think we also did a poor job. And so there are, there are, there are ways we did well, and there are ways we kind of um, assumed poor things about Mako. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just am kind of really grateful that we got this opportunity to remind ourselves of the importance of perspective. And so I, I think that's why I'm going to choose Mako. What a, what a great reminder to have. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, I think for me again, Asami, I think the ability to have people in our lives that help kind of shine light on no, you're the, you're the reasons you're enough. Um, yep. I don't know if we have enough of those people. And so when we do have them showing gratitude for them, I think is important. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, how, how often I majority of the time we're thinking about the mistakes that we've made. Very yeah. rarely do we pat ourselves on our, you know, pat ourselves on our back because we think that it's like either cocky or, you know, annoying or, you know, that makes us annoying people to be around. And sometimes, no, pat yourself on your back. You did some good stuff, y'all. Um, but the ability to have someone say, like, no, you've made an impact that's positive. Uh -huh. Hearing those types of things, I think, is just super undervalued. And so, um, one, everyone else out there, you know, a great feedback model is 90% positive to 10% constructive. And so, like... Love Michael Brandwine. If you're doing that your relationships are genuinely going to be stronger. <laughs> so, yep. um, but we don't, we typically don't do those things. And so again, it's I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful yeah. for the people that we do. Typically we do 90% coaching and 10%. Yay. Pizza party for you. <laughs> and then, um, so again, when you have those people, I think it's important to be grat uh, show gratitude towards them. So Asami. Let's do 
all of that all the time. Yep. All of that all the time. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That's all awesome. right. We've got, a, I believe, a special guest next week joining us. Sure do. And so that'll be fun. So make sure you come on back for that episode. Uh, but as of right now, hit us up on all the socials, BNB underscore pod. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, that is also where you can find our Patreon that has some bonus things. So if you would like to support us that way, you can join us in live episodes. Uh, ben is currently writing uh, kind of more in-depth analysis slowly, but picking them back up or will be writing them in the future. After this week, I'll be picking them back He's up. He's wrapping up some exams and some things to do. So, um, but yeah, check us out on all the, the interweb things. Uh, some fun ways to support us through that. Um, but other than that, Ben, you got anything you want to add? Uh, not at this time. Great. Thank you. Um, I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. <laughs> and this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. <laughs>